This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Thank you always for tuning in. Got a fair bit to squeeze into this episode, so let's crack on. Uh, thank you very much for the feedback on the last one, number 201, titled The View from Qatar. That was the one where I spoke with England fan Ben Williams, who lives over there. Really hope it gave you, those of you intending to go to the tournament, a little insight, perhaps eased your mind a little bit. Uh, It's still there, should you want to listen to it. As I say, episode 201, The View from Qatar. Coming up on this episode, I have been fortunate to speak with PC Stephen Mason from Bedfordshire Police. Now, he's previously been part of the English policing abroad with England, and we'll come to that very soon. It is quite an insight and all part of of what we encounter on an away day, especially with Munich coming up. And speaking of Germany, last week, those ticket ballot results finally came out. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to get a ticket. I know many others have too. Hopefully, for those of you who have been unsuccessful, you'll find a way in, be it the the second sale, or you may find yourself in the unofficial home end stroke away end. Tickets, it seems, are priced at either £39 or £22. not quite sure how that works, bearing in mind they're all basically within the same area. The cap cutoff was 26. Anyone above who had applied uh, was successful and anyone below 26, well, they went into the ballot. You were lucky or you were unlucky. There were 3,466 tickets made available to England fans. And of course, we'll be having our preview episode very soon. So please do stay subscribed for that one. The women's Euros are getting ever closer. They kick off on the 6th of July here in England. But before then, the Lionesses play Belgium on Thursday the 16th of June at Wolves. Netherlands at Elland Road on Friday the 24th of June. And finally on the 30th of June, they pop over to Switzerland to Zurich for the final warm-up game. Now, on Tuesday the 17th, manager Serena Weigman announced her provisional 28-player squad. And this will, at some point, be whittled down to 23. So five will miss out. And the deadline to announce this is Sunday the 26th of June. And that 28-player team she announced is as follows. Four goalkeepers, Mary Earps of Manchester United, Hannah Hampton, Aston Villa, Sandy McIver of Everton and Ellie Roebuck of Manchester City. Nine defenders, quite Chelsea and Manchester City heavy this one. There's Millie Bright, Jess Carter, Neve Charles of Chelsea, 
Lucy Bronze, Alex Greenwood, Steph Horton and Demi Stokes of Manchester City. Rachel Daly, Houston Dash and Lottie Wubben-Moy of Arsenal. Eight midfielders, Frank Kirby, Chelsea. Jill Scott, currently at Aston Villa on loan from Manchester City. Although recently it's been announced that she will be departing from Manchester City. Uh, Lucy Staniforth, Manchester United, as is Ella Toon and Katie Zellum. From Manchester City, Georgia Stanway and Kira Walsh and Leah Williamson of Arsenal. Of course, Serena Feigman announced Williamson as our nation's captain. Up front, we've got Bethany England of Chelsea, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly from Manchester City, as is Ellen White, Alicia Russo from Manchester City, and Beth Mead and Nikita Paris, both from Arsenal. Steph Horton, who has missed a lot of football recently, as you heard there, she is in. Sadly, Arsenal's Jordan Nobbs is out once again. After missing that French World Cup squad as well. Really feel for her. And I'd also just like to mention Karen Bardsley. Lioness's goalkeeper of 82 caps. Who has announced her retirement from the game. She'd often be seen playing in a trademark headband. But having been born in the States and played a lot of her career abroad. She decided to play for England because Both of her parents are English. She made her debut back in 2005, keeping a clean sheet in a 4-0 victory over Northern Ireland. And she did go on to play for Manchester City's women. And before the Euros begin, I'll have a special England Women at the Euros episode to bring you. Once again, stay subscribed. You won't miss it. Also, I just wanted to mention the England CP team, CP Cerebral Palsy, who recently took part in the 2022 World Cup that took place in Salou, Barcelona. Featured 15 nations and they got off to a great start, beating Canada 8-1. They then beat Venezuela 9-0. And the final group game saw them draw one apiece with the Netherlands, which meant that they topped the group and would meet Iran in the first knockout stage. Sadly, that was where the journey for a medal would end, as Iran won 3-1. But following that, they played out a few games to see how they would finish in the competition. They would beat Argentina 2-1, but would eventually finish 6th after a penalty shootout loss to the Dutch once again. In case you're wondering, cerebral palsy football consists of two halves of 30 minutes and is played with seven players on a team. Each side must have at least one player who is classified as FT1, which is those with more severe impairments. Uh, They must play on all the pitch at all times and no more than one person who is class FT1. T3 playing. But congratulations to Ukraine who won the tournament after they beat Iran in the final. An amazing feat, all things considered, I'm sure you'll agree. Of course, well done to our lads that got so far. 
And for those that maybe see Iran in this winter's World Cup as being a pushover, perhaps not being as good as anticipated, perhaps this is just a little indication of what football is like over there and what they're capable of. I don't know. Now, time to get on with that chat with a PC, Stephen Mason. It's taken a little bit of time to organise this one, and I had to jump through a few hoops to get it. So my thanks to Bedfordshire Police in giving me the green light to speak with one of their officers. Here it is. Okay, with Germany away coming up, it's the first time England fans have really travelled in greater numbers for some time. What with COVID and all that sort of thing. Sure, we had San Marino and Andorra last year, but they were nothing to what Germany and Munich is going to be like. So I thought this would be an ideal opportunity to find out what goes on from a policing perspective. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, PC Stephen Mason from Bedfordshire Police. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Russell. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for joining us. Now, you were previously part of the England Overseas Policing Team for a few years. Perhaps you could just maybe elaborate on that and what went on and, and where you are now. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was part of the uh, the overseas England delegation uh, on a policing perspective from 2014 to 2018. Um, so uh, I haven't been on there for, for a little time now. And currently, um, currently just uh, back in force, Bedfordshire Police as the um, Luton Town dedicated football officer for the force. So uh, still working in football policing and public order. Um, yeah, uh, 19 years of being a police officer now. So uh and still loving the football and the frontline stuff. So uh, that's where I currently am at the moment. Great stuff. Great. What, what, I mean, was that the sort of area that you always wanted to get into, the football side of things? Um, if I'm brutally honest, I, did, I didn't know much about it when I, when I initially joined um, the, the police service many moons ago in 2003, uh, 2003 now, should I say. Um, so it was only once I was in the police that I actually found out what the football units do um, and being a football fan myself, I, I thought to myself, I'd quite like to get involved in that. And there was a vacancy in force um, for when one of the predecessors to me um, retired. And then the person that took over their position um, essentially went to work for the United Kingdom football policing unit. My hat was thrown in and, uh, and, and I got the role. I see. So you've worked at Luton as part of their policing team. The next step, how did the England uh, or the England overseas policing team, how did that come about? Um, it was just quite simply a, a job advert came out for, uh, for uh, applications to join the, the overseas uh, delegation. And it was just a process from there onwards. Again, I, I threw my hat into the mix for that and uh, thankfully um, got the role for the 2014, 2018 tenure because um it's just we, it's just four year tenures that we do. So I was lucky enough to get on from 2014. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, from my own experience of following England abroad and, and encountering the police, 
And I guess this will be familiar to many supporters' experience. That first sort of encounter may be at the departing airport where England fans, I mean, for argument's sake, going to Munich next month. They may be going from Stansted, Luton, Heathrow, wherever, going straight to Munich. That'll be the first encounter that fans will have with policing units. I mean, what what's the situation there? What What do you do? Who are you looking for? All that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, as 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 I say, most England fans and I and I've met a few coming through the airports, uh, doing many of the airport operations myself uh, at Luton for, for for quite some years now. Um, they're basically run, um, as we know, there's a lot of, of football legislation that that's actually quite powerful, um, and part of the legislation actually stops um, people that have football banning orders um, from actually travelling. Um, abroad to watch uh, the national team um, and, it, and it just falls off the back of that that these people shouldn't be traveling um, and so there's specific airport operations purely purely for that so if for argument's sake someone who shouldn't be traveling does try you find them what happens then they've, they've then basically breached their football banning order um, and they're put back before the court um, and then the courts decide what they're going to do with them. Right. Okay. Because uh, I've found that from being an England Travel Club member, my experience is that the guys, they'll take your membership card temporarily and run it through a search. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Normally um, there's there's a, some bits of technology which enable us to, to check um, football clubs, so the England football club memberships. Um, uh, obviously, we we have PNC databases there and everything. And then it's just making sure that there's no no one that's wanted for any, for instance, warrants, um, non-payment of fine warrants, whether these are criminal warrants. Um, and then it goes all the way up until if they're on a football banning order, they shouldn't be travelling. So, um, yeah, that's why they're really run essentially. Gotcha. Yeah, I've I've always found the guys to be pretty happy, approachable, doing their job, showing an interest too. Uh, into where I'm going. I've never had any issues with them. But those guys that are doing the airport job say, well, once the flight's departed, what, are, are they back on local jobs? They're back on the beat. Um, who are the ones that then go abroad with England? So uh, so the, the officers at the airport operation, and, and I'll probably speak from, uh, from a Luton perspective, um, once they've done the operations, they're back to response um, or wherever their their day to day jobs are, so they'll do that, and then they'll they'll um they'll encompass their their day to day jobs directly after the flights have gone out. Oh. Um, as as for, as for the nas the the national guys, they, they'll obviously fly out as well as as we did many a times, um, and they will be made up of of officers um from up and down the country really, um, but they will be in the footballing world, so they'll be either dedicated football officers or operational football officers. So they're, they're kind of like subject matter experts when um, going abroad and are basically being consultants for um, for for the, the various police forces that where Luton have, uh, oh, sorry, Luton, where England have been playing from. OK, so there's uh, I'm guessing there's sort of intelligence beforehand. You're liaising with the opponents or, or the country's police force. And I'm guessing there's involvement from the FA too, is there? Yeah, there's there's a there's a, a, a three pronged kind of uh, partnership working um, for for every game. Essentially, there's um, 
there, there'll be there'll be the FA, the United Kingdom Football Policing Unit, um, and again the host nations um, intelligence and football units themselves. Um, they have regular meetings prior to the games, um, sorting out logistics and 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 what the demographic of um, the crowd is going to be when it's coming over, where they're likely to stay, um, and kind of just plan the, the the logistics for the whole operation. So we're talking now. This is early May, and the Germany game is almost a month's time away. So will conversations be happening now between, say, those three-pronged forces about this particular game now? I mean, is how far in advance do these conversations happen? Yeah, well, if I'm brutally honest, Russell, I think they would have already started and um, yeah. probably a good month to two months prior. So, yeah, they, they would be well underway already having those conversations. I see. So the game, like, let's take the Germany one as an example, which which I should really find the actual date out of. Would the police, um, uh, how far in advance would those guys go out there? So uh, there, there's a delegation from the United, the, the United Kingdom Football Police Unit, which will go out prior um uh, so, so on this occasion, to Germany, um, speak with the German officials over there and, and just ask how many of uh, the English team that they want over there to assist in, the, in their operation. Um, that would have, again, that would have been done a good two months ago to get it all in place, um, ready for, for essentially the kickoff. And how many, how many officers are we talking in operation for a, a game like this? Um, so for, for, for a single game, so we, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about tournaments here, um, probably in the region of about five or six, right. depending on information intelligence, but it's roughly around about five or six. So when, it, when England fans are away, and it's something that has been mentioned before, that maybe foreign police can be a little heavy handed, overzealous with England fans. Is that something you've encountered? I mean, do, do you have to, when you're liaising with the overseas police forces from those other countries, is this something that comes up in conversation? Yeah, it, yeah, it will do. Um, and, yeah, I, I have seen it, um, if, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I think what, what everyone kind of needs to realise is, from even from a police to a fan base, that that when we're, we're abroad, um, obviously different countries have different tolerance levels to, to football. Um, and, you know, I've, I've certainly worked in places like Slovenia and some of the kind of more Eastern Europeans where it's, it, it, it is very much a robust stance on policing football. Um, I think back in England, I think, I think we were a bit, um, a bit better in our approach. Um, and, and certainly we like to to communicate first before we see that robustness actually kicking in. Um, so when we go abroad is I think what one of our aims is, is to try and almost be that um, that constant. That, what's the best word I can use? It's, it's almost like that consultant um, for the um, for the the, the the home forces to say that, you know, if you've done this particularly. Um, to this group of England fans, you're likely to get this response. Um, how about letting us go in and speaking to the fans first and trying to explain um, what they need to do um, before going in? So 
yeah, it's 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 difficult. Um, as I say, there's there's very many ways of, of policing um, across Europe um, and, and different ways to do it. I think I've seen um, some for me. Yeah, can be a little bit heavy handed, um, but I think that would probably become because that's their way of policing. I think that's the best way I can put it. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there's got to be the relationship between the police and the FA too. How does that work? So the uh, the United Kingdom Police Unit or the UKFPU, um, they they are kind of like our liaison with the FA. Um, so they will do the vast amount of, of liaison between the two organisations. Um, not something that I would generally get involved with when I worked on the um, the, the overseas delegation, as I was just used as kind of like. Um, the operational football side so out mingling with the fans etc but um but it's it's normally we have a, a couple of liaison officers within the ukfpu that would liaise directly with the fa and if there's any concerns the fa had um the ukfpu can um do what they need to do to to sort out those and vice versa really so um yeah there's normally um, a couple that would do the um to do the liaison between the two stakeholders now I'm thinking back to, you said your period of time with the overseas policing team would have been between, what was it, 2014 to 2018, which tournament-wise would have been um, Brazil, France and Russia, I guess. Yes, yeah. Um, I, didn't do, I didn't do Brazil or France, but I was part of the, uh, uh, the, the Russian delegation that, that, that went there. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I would have liked to have done Brazil. Not bad. <laughs> well, I didn't do it either. Um, so tell us about Russia. How was that? Um, it was, yeah, it, it was an experience, if I'm honest. I think for me, um, I was actually based in um, in Gdansk yeah. um, because there was information that there was a lot of um, England fans actually staying in, in Poland um, just because there was a more variety of accommodation and, and we was even going down to cheaper food, cheaper beer. Um, and it just seemed to be the better place to say. So I was out in Gdansk for, uh, for essentially a week. Um, there was, there was some issues out in, in Gdansk with some, um, some England fans, um, unfortunately, um, infighting more than anything. Uh, so not with any locals or anything, um, but apart from apart from those couple of incidents that we had with uh, with the two sets of um, England fans um, fighting, um, it was very good. We oversee uh, or oversaw, should I say, um, the fans travelling uh, from Gdansk over to the Russian border just to make sure they were safely on their way into um, to Russia. I think it was down to St Petersburg. Um, so yeah, that 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 was that was good. That was good. Yeah. That's one thing I'd really like to see eradicated is infighting between England fans. Uh, if we're going abroad, we should all we should all be together, obviously respecting the country that we're in. But it's so silly, some of the things that we, we do see. Now, I appreciate that there's only so much that you're allowed to tell me, but have you got any stories or any particular instance that you can tell me about from your travels? Um. There's a few I could probably tell uh, off the record, Russell. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, I mean, generally, I think um, 
I think it's seen as, as as a really good role for any football police officer that, that's, that's up and down the country. Um, you know, engaging with the fans, you know, not just your own. So if you think about most of the, most of the football officers that, that travel have their own respective clubs. Um, so it's always good to, you know, meet and chat with, with the other England fans. And for me, it was always, you know, we were, we were there to help the fans out as well, you know, not so, not necessarily much to police them, but almost be that kind of, you know, person to go to that if they were having any issues, like, you know, even like losing passports and stuff like that, we would always be there to, to, to help, you know, the England fans out. Um, there's a couple of, a uh, couple of deployments that did stick in mind. For instance, there was, um, uh, Holland in, I think it was March 18. Yes. Where, um, there was a, a a decision made uh for uh, a friendly against holland on a on a weekend in amsterdam which was always going to be lively and yeah. uh, and uh, very well um supported um by both sets of fans um f- for me that was probably one of the most busiest four to five days that i had in in policing generally um there was a lot of young england fans that came over um for a weekend in holland which you know i've i've been there on the <laughs> in my youth many a times having weekends in amsterdam and whatever so um, I, t- I totally get it um but it it did kind of turn sour pretty pretty early on and we're talking as early as as kind of like the friday and um yeah there was attacks on police and locals and yeah it it, it was a shame how it turned because um it, it it was a good weekend but very busy and um i specifically remember being hit in the chest with a pint glass um oh. from an england fan across across the river so um yeah that was always memorable um there was people in the river there was yeah and there was a lot of fans getting um robustly dealt with by the uh with the dutch police um and i certainly remember one time there was uh an England fan in particular being held up against a, a wall by a Dutch um, officer um, who was demanding the young lad's passport. So I tried to I tried to intervene to basically say to the officer, look, he can't physically grab the passport because right. the way you've got him pushed up against the wall, it's in his back pocket. And there was obviously the, clearly the communication issue. So we always used to deploy in plain clothes as well. And um, the Dutch police just have like a single armband um, just to notify that if you're a police officer. And of course, this uh, this Dutch officer didn't um, didn't recognise me as as the UK delegation. And, and I got a clump around my legs also until oh. I shown him the badge. And he was a uh, he was very apologetic. He put the England fan down and uh, I managed to get the passport. Um, to him and uh, and the England fan on his way without anything else happening, but uh, yeah, memorable for for many things. Holland was right. Yeah, I remember that one well. When you say of plain clothes police officers, the term spotter comes to mind, or or I've heard that being used. Is that part of part of your policing team, or are they an independent unit? Yeah, so the so the spotters on a UK delegation will be um, obviously the the English officers that, that are out there that have their own club. So um, the new terminology for spotter is now um, called an operational foot officer. So a spotter and an OFO are, are essentially the the, the, the same thing. Um, we don't necessarily do the plain clothes um, 
in England for for certainly fixtures at, at home, but um, for 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 going abroad, it, it helps us to um, to kind of be close enough, but not necessarily get involved if, if we need to. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I've got a few questions from some listeners. If you're opening to answering some of those, yeah, sure, fire away. So, first one is from Hugo Malim. He said uh, his question is. Did any English police travel to Marseille in 2016? And did they work with their French counterparts? Obviously, we remember what happened in Marseille in that first game there. Yeah. So, yes, there was a UK football policing delegation uh, sent to France. Um, and, and in particular, I mean, th- this was my my era. I didn't I didn't go to France, um, but I do know officers that um, that, that that came back from France, um, experienced a lot out there, um, and certainly a couple of um, my good friends um, came back well, that were out there. We're actually doing um, CPR on an England fan out there, um, wow. and um, yeah, it was it was very busy. Yes, we were out there, and it and it was a it was a very tough uh, tournament for um for us to assist in. Yes, yeah, wasn't wasn't a particularly nice experience that one. I remember that one. Uh, Richard Cook asks, "What has been your toughest assignment?" Oh, toughest assignment It's probably the that Dutch one. If I'm honest right. with you, um, yeah, it, it's. I, I can probably say that obviously there there is games which are much more high profile and there's a lot to you know a lot of stuff that that, that goes on and 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 they're long hours and, and we have to deal with them but uh, but yeah the, the the toughest one was was the Dutch one as I say the issues that we had before and and just to put it into some sort of context we were working like from eight o'clock in the morning till. I think the earliest time that I finished was about half three, four o'clock in the, the following morning every day um, for a good four, four or five days that we were out there for. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was tough. It was long hours. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say the Dutch one, if I'm honest. Yes, I've I've got visions in my head now of that particular trip. And you mentioned younger England fans going to that particular game because, in fairness, they are easy to get to destinations. And some people will refer to them as the easy jet crowd. Um, <laughs> I guess with those larger attendances or games like that, and, and much like the Germany one is going to be, they are the bigger ones rather than, say, your, your Kosovo's away with the smaller allocations. Yeah, exactly. Slovenia too. Um, yeah. Uh, Dean Cornish, he asks, is it seen as a bit of a jolly? And how often do you guys do anything abroad or stop people from traveling from airports and on what grounds and i know we we actually covered that in the very beginning but say your force who you leave behind on a uh, a football jaunt as it were oh yeah well, <laughs> 100% i'll certainly get from my colleagues and um and, and and my wife bless her as well she um she always refers to it as a holiday um which um which I always uh, I do laugh about and, and, and obviously love it to bits, but uh, yeah, it's she's like you going on your football holiday, which um, yeah, it's it, if I'm really honest, it, it is seen as a jolly, you know, um, officers that work in forces all up and down the country, you know, they're doing their day to day stuff, sticking within their you know their boundaries of their county and stuff, and to you know to fly out 
to go and do something that I enjoy, um, that uh, I, I love doing, working in football policing um, abroad, uh, making new friends abroad. Um, it can be seen as a bit of a jolly rather than going to a whatever incident back in force. Um, but it is, it is, it is hard work. It is long hours. Um, you know, you're away, you're a family for a considerable amount of time. You, uh, you know, certainly for tournaments, you, you're, you're out there for the duration of it and perhaps before the tournament starts itself. So as much as it is a jolly, because we're going over there aboard and, 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 and working out there, it, as much as it is a jolly, it is still hard work. And we do, we, we actually do quite a lot of stuff out there. Um, I don't think there's ever been a game where we've not actually stopped something happening or not done anything that we've had to bring back to the UK and deal with. So yeah, a bit of bit of a bit of a yes and no answer that lot, but uh, I'm trying to give you the best <laughs> the, the best of both worlds there. But but yeah, that's essentially what it is. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I, I guess it can be seen as a break from the norm. Yeah, very much so. So when the game is on, what, what are you doing then? Do you get to see any of it? Are you in the ground? Do you uh, can you see it? Yeah, and and. We do. Uh, sometimes we don't, depending on kind of like the information and then the intelligence on the day of, of what's actually happening. Um, sometimes we're inside, sometimes we're out. Um, the vast majority of times we are there or thereabouts or certainly inside the stadium to, to monitor the, the, the fans inside the ground. Um, but sometimes we don't always get in there and watch the game. Um, there might be groups that have kind of flown over that haven't bought tickets um that we just stay there liaise with and, and just make sure they're uh, they're behaving and and if they if they need anything we're there to to support them as well um so yeah sometimes sometimes not i see uh you, you said you had a an interest in football who's your team uh, as in professional or who do i support yeah yeah your team that you support so west ham's my team ever since uh ever since i was a little boy 42 years ago now um yeah, West Ham's my team, um, but I do have a have a, a soft spot for Luton. As I say, that's my team back in force that I've uh, I've been looking after for the last essentially seventeen years. So um, twelve as the dedicated football officer, and and the extra five as as the operational football officer to support the DFO. So yeah, they're 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 my two teams. Yeah, well, both of them been doing all right of late. Uh, and coming from an England point of view, I guess you're excited for the World Cup coming up. Yes, as probably most uh, uh, DFOs and AFOs up the country, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, let's hope we have a uh, a really good push and, uh, and and do what we've done essentially in the Euros. Um, we've done a cracking job in the Euros. Uh, let's see if we can go that one step further and uh, bring that trophy home. Absolutely. Yeah, let's hope so. Obviously, last year at the Euros, um, it's well documented that there was trouble with people getting into the stadium. There was issues on Wembley Way. What was the feedback from your point of view from what happened there? Um, to, to be honest, I, we, we had some kind of local um, feedback, which was essentially uh, that, that came out of meetings that was held, I think, by the FA the government, um, Club Wembley, um, and, and a few other stakeholders. Um, I, I think, I think the issues personally that 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 
tournament portrayed for us as as, as a nation and, and and club Wembley. I think that they were always going to kind of um, be there, um, and I just think part of the logistics and the and the planning around it, um, not by not by the police, not by kind of like the FA, and not by club Wembley or the stewards or anything like that, kind of further afield. Um, I think was 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 the key to the catalyst of of what happened on on, on that particular day. If if I'm brutally honest with you, there was a report that came out. Um, I can't remember the name of the report. If I'm honest, um, but it but it kind of disclosed some um, some findings. Um, so yeah, essentially, I think that was that was the problem. I think there was some issues um, from an agency. Or an organisation, should I say, that uh, that was kind of let down. It wasn't police. It wasn't Club Wembley. It wasn't the stewards, safe dogs, or anything. It wasn't the Met Police or anything like that. Um, that that I think started the ball rolling, and then realised, oh, this is a little bit bigger than, than what we thought it would be. Um, and then ultimately, I think the findings of the report. Um, I think it said that, that you know the Met Police done as well as they could. Club Wembley and the safety officer were were common. Uh, commended on on brave decisions um that the the findings bought um so yeah that's that's all i can really say <laughs> really on that without being hauled up in front of someone <laughs> of course yeah no i appreciate that no, no thank you for that steve thank you very much for your time i know you're a you're a busy man but i appreciate the time that you've given us and and just given us a little insight into policing at football thanks Yeah, no problem at all, Russell. Thank you. Huge thanks to PC Stephen Mason there. Certainly very interesting. And some of the eagle ears amongst you may have noticed a slight difference in sound quality between myself and Stephen there. Basically, I hold my hands up here. When I'd finished the call, saved it, etc., I found out I'd recorded at my end with the wrong microphone and I sounded incredibly distant. So I re recorded my parts and edited them in. Nothing was majorly changed from my end, uh, but it just goes to show how I should check, double check, triple check. Uh, yeah. Uh, so hands up for that, my fault. But many thanks for tuning in. Always appreciated. I hope it has been of interest. As always, you can follow the show on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's all there. Give us a wave, thumbs up, like, review, whatever floats your boat. And actually, one thing I've missed, despite its England links, I've managed to get through this episode without commenting on the Rooney Vardy case. (laughs) Uh, if you are an overseas listener and that means nothing to you think yourselves very lucky but if you're really intrigued just head to google and enter wagatha christie (laughs) very embarrassing now in the meantime i'm going to crack on with that preview podcast for hungary and germany italy too 
that should be the next one coming your way. And then, of course, we'll have the review one too. I've also got the next in our World Cup series as well. I just need to work out how and when to release them all. Anyway, that's my problem. Uh, You just stay subscribed and you won't miss them. But as always, take care, look after yourselves. Until the next time, cheers. Cheers.